Hey everybody, this is David opposing the Matrix. How are you today? Today is the 8th of December, uh, 2022, edging ever closer to that time when everybody goes broke. And then we start up all over again on the 1st. So anyway, um, you know, I was thinking about what to do for a show tonight. By the way, uh, it's Thursday and Brian's not here. Brian's got some things going at home and uh, he will be back hopefully next week. But uh, he said to say hi to you folks and uh, he's sorry he's not here. So, okay. So I got that out of the way. Uh, I miss Brian when he's not here because we were good at, really good at bouncing things off of each other, you know, and um, when he's not here, I got to bounce it off of me. And that's kind of hard to do because it's got to hit the, Got to hit this camera and then come right back and hit me and then go, the yeah, you know. Anyway, uh, that was my poor attempt at humor. I'm sorry. Um, so one of the things that I find when I'm talking with people about things is uh, I find out that maybe sometimes I'm not, not as informed as I thought I was. I, you know, I'd like to be as informed as possible when I'm talking to people about things. And sometimes I'm just not. I and how many of you have um, had an encounter with somebody or you're talking about something and you say to yourself, I could have said this, I could have said that, I could have said this or that. <laughs> uh, and you kind of beat yourself up because you didn't say it. Well, I learned a while back that you just got to trust that the seeds that you planted in the ground are going to grow and that Yahweh will water them so that they'll grow and that people will be fed, so to speak, instead of beating yourself up that, you know, you could have said this or that. I know that everybody out there, probably maybe a scant one or two, don't feel that way, but most of us do. <clears throat> and um, so one of the things that I think is really important nowadays is, well, you know, we hear all this stuff about uh, the COVID vaccines. I don't even know why I still call them vaccines. The COVID death shots or the, the COVID jabs, let's just call it that. That way it's kind of innocuous. Um, you know, you get into a conversation with somebody and you try to tell them these things aren't good. You know, it causes this, you know, an upswing in cancer. It messes with your immune system. It changes your DNA, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and then all you need is for somebody to say, well, how does it do that? And you're like, oh, well, so-and-so said, well, when people come up to me with so-and-so said, I, I'm sorry, that's not a good enough reason. So we're, we're, we're told by scripture, too, to study ourselves, approve, uh, workmen not ashamed. And um, so what I want to do tonight is I want to talk about, uh, it, it is a fact that um, this COVID jab that they're giving people is accelerating diseases in people that the diseases wouldn't, um, without the jab, would have taken a long time to, to culminate, uh, a long time to build up and everything. But for some reason, this thing kills your immune system. And so it takes, uh, it allows cancers to grow quicker and, and aggressively. Um, and uh, just allows all kinds of sickness that would normally, neurological things, the whole nine yards, uh, things that would take a long time to develop in you or, or whoever we're talking about, um, things seem to be accelerated, sped up. 
but why does that happen? Okay, so I was reading today about cancers being accelerated. Um, and uh, and I'm going to share a video with you. Dr. Ryan Cole is talking about that. But again, how does it happen? How does it happen? How does your immune, what is your immune system, first of all? How does it work? What does it do? How does it fend off things or... Um, how does it know to bypass some things and go after others? Okay. Um, so we're going to uh, <clears throat> look at, it's a five part series and each part's about maybe five, six. I think the, the longest one's 10 minutes long. And that's the first one I think we're going to watch. So, um, but it's going to, these, this doctor is going to explain to us, uh, not Dr. Cole, there's another doctor. It's going to explain to us why <clears throat> or how the immune system works. And, <laughs> You know, I was watching this and I'm going, I'm going, this whole system, just this one system alone did not occur by accident. I'm sorry. The more, the longer that I live and the more that I see, the more I can attribute to uh, everything that I see, all the life that I see is being divinely inspired and that it happened in a very short time rather than billions of years. Okay. Um, You might be different. You know, God bless you if you are. But um, I believe in six days, everything was made. Seventh day, God rested. And that's why we're supposed to rest on the seventh day. Um, but that having been said, that's just one mechanism, okay? Uh, out of all of the mechanisms <laughs> mechanisms that, that there are in this, this creation, um, Birds are different than mammals. Mammals are different than fish. Uh, and everything has its own system of rep- re- repairing and replication. Okay. And there's no way that <laughs> think of the millions, if not billions of different, um, if there were mutations, different mutations would have had to occur and seeing that each mu- that a mutation, um, is usually 99.999% fatal or renders the uh, the mutated animal or whatever cell or whatever as um, as inert, okay? It cannot reproduce. So um, what are the chances? I mean, given trillions and quadrillions of years, it probably couldn't have happened. So <laughs> expecting that it happened in 4 billion years, I seriously doubt that. Um, as a matter of fact, I don't even seriously doubt it. I I come against it because <laughs> it's just not possible. So anyway, uh, let's get started. Uh, this first uh, video I want to watch is by, and that's what we're going to be doing is watching videos tonight. And um, uh, I think it's important because we have to know how our, our immune system works. Okay. And how it doesn't work if we get jabbed. So let's go ahead and ro- watch uh, Dr. Ryan Cole. And uh, then we'll go from there. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and do this. It gives me a real small head again. Okay, keep that jocularity to yourself. <laughs> okay, here we go. So let's uh, let me uh, see if I can enlarge this. And oh, look at that. Then we can go for it. These patterns. Um, what else have you seen in looking through the microscope? Um, this, that's a great question. Um, and, and this was what was interesting. So 
Pattern-wise, yes, early treatments I saw with my colleagues, and I, I didn't treat a ton of patients, and my colleagues treated a lot more than I. I helped where I could because I was busy in the lab. But in the lab, after the shots rolled out, there's there, so I do a fair amount of skin biopsy work, and I noticed after the shots rolled out, there's this little viral bump that I generally see in children. It's called molluscum contagiosum. It's a parapox virus. And usually kids will get it. It's contagiosum is the name because it's pretty contagious and and kids, you know, pass it back and forth when they're little. But usually by the time you're in your, you know, tweens or teens, your immune system keeps it in check. What does it do to people that have Oh, oh, it ca that virus just causes little skin warty bumps. It's not a human papillomavirus. It's it's a parapox virus, but it, it causes this little white warty bump. So the interesting thing was, okay, kids get that. When the shots rolled out, you remember how we rolled it out to the older age groups first. So I get a lot of skin cancer biopsies from the dermatologists and family doctors around the, my country, around the country in my region. And I started noticing an uptick in this bump that I usually see in children in the elderly. And I thought, oh, no, this is unusual. I never see this. This is, this is an infection of childhood, not of the elderly. And then I started seeing more and then more. And I thought, wait a minute. This is immune dysregulation of some sort. And I had already had my concerns about using an experimental therapy, not knowing what certain ingredients were, not knowing what they would do. And I, again, I had read thousands upon thousands of COVID paper. I, be, I became just, COVID was my obsession, whether it was online lectures or reading lectures, looking at the immune responses, trying to find, is anybody writing about this, et cetera. So I saw that bump, I saw that immune dysregulation. I thought, uh-oh, Houston, we have a problem. Because that line of cells, that line of T cells that keeps viruses in check, that family of cells also keeps cancers in check. Well, at the same time, about a month or two later, all of a sudden there are certain types of cancers that I commonly see in the laboratory. After 500,000 patients, you kind of have an idea year, to year over year what you're seeing. I started seeing endometrial cancers go up. And other certain type melanomas I started seeing thicker and earlier as well. And of course I thought, okay, is this because we've been locked down or is this because people aren't going to their doctor? Are they missing their visits? Or is it correlating with a time frame in which people are getting the shots? A little bit of it was both, but I know which clinics never shut down during the pandemic, and I know which ones did. So I kind of did a statistical analysis and regression. I thought, okay, I'm seeing an increase in these certain things. Now, my colleagues will criticize and say, well, that's just anecdotal. And I can say, yeah, you're right. I only see you know, 25,000 patients, 40,000 biopsies a year. You can't do a complete statistical set on that. But at least I saw the patterns, and all science really starts with an observation. And so I pointed this out. And then interestingly, as I've, I've been invited and talked at, and lectured around the country, other oncologists have come up to me or called me, or even just yesterday, a radiation oncologist came up to me and said, you're right, something is wrong. I am seeing cancers that we normally keep in check, and we know we can manage this cancer, and the patient will get two, three, five, six good years of life but they got their shot or they got their booster and then two months later they, their cancer is a wildfire and these are things that we've managed easily in the past. 
So again, as a pathologist, I go to what's the pathophysiologic mechanism? What's causing this? What's going awry? And there was a really good paper by Dr. Fossa et al. out of the Netherlands looking at the Pfizer vaccines, and they did a pretty good analysis of the immune system after the shots. And their conclusion was alarming and concerning in the sense that it said, we're seeing an alteration of the innate immune response. All you hear about in the news is antibodies, antibodies, antibodies. What, what are your antibodies? That's really not the, the most important part of our immune system. The most important part is our T cell response. Those are the Marines of our, uh, of our immune system, the first ones in. And they're the ones when an invader comes in, they have these little hand grenades. They poke a hole with a, a enzyme called a perforin, and then they throw in a granzyme, and they blow up the infected cell. Same thing with cancer. They do the same thing all day long. Your immune system, these soldiers, your T cells, your macrophages, your dendritic cells, they're your front line saying, it's something friend or foe. So they'll shake hands with your cells and say, oh, this cell has some mutations. This is an early cancer cell. They'll blow it up. Well, that study out of the Netherlands was saying this innate immune system, this innate immune response seems to be altered and not acting right. And we have receptors, these little puzzle pattern receptors. This locks with that, locks with that, and they're called toll-like receptors, spelled just like a toll road. So toll receptors seven and eight are very important for signaling to say to your body, hey, you need to be awake and on to fight off this virus, that virus, that virus, that virus. So we have virus in our bodies all the time, but our immune system says, meh, I'll keep you in check. You're not gonna wake up. You can't, you can't infect me right now. We're revved, we know how to fight you off. There are also some toll-like receptors that are very important for talking to your innate immune system and your T cells saying, hey, if you're in normal numbers, then we'll be revved up and we'll fight off those cancer cells. Well, in that Pfizer study by Dr. Fossa, they, they realized these receptors are dropped down and tuned out or tuned all the way off in some. And so the problem now becomes that signal you have to your soldiers, now the soldiers are snoozing or drunk in the barracks and they can't even wake up. And now if, if you look at the data, you realize after the shots, there were tons of shingles uh, outbreaks, <laughs> tons of them. That was another pattern I saw in the lab as well. Well, that's because those toll-like receptors were downregulated. Same thing, I started seeing the uptick in cancers. Well, why is that? Because mechanistically, things that were always supposed to be on were unintentionally shut off. And then in addition to that, we have other gene receptors to which the spike protein binds, uh, the P53 tumor suppressor gene, the guardian of our genome. Dysregulation in that gene can re also lead to cancer pathways. Well, we know part of the spike protein binds to that. The BRCA gene you hear about in breast cancers, same thing, it binds to that. So we know from a laboratory, nerdy, geeky point of view, the mechanisms. And so in the laboratory, I'm saying, I'm seeing an uptick in, in cancers that I shouldn't be seeing, at rates I shouldn't be seeing, in age groups I shouldn't be seeing. And then I've talked to colleagues around the world and they're starting to verify it. What we really need is when when a scientist, you know, they, they just basically marginalize you and say, oh, that's, you know, out of the narrative, you know, don't look at that. 
my, my point of view is if we have something novel and new, which they say the virus was, even though it was 80% not novel, because it was so similar to SARS-CoV-1, when something is novel and new, i.e. these gene injections to stimulate an immune response, that's novel and new. So we should take this approach of the French legal system, guilty until proven innocent. So every adverse reaction, every odd pattern outside the normal after these shots should have triggered a red flag to say, we need to do an autopsy on that death. It was proximate to their shots. Or, gosh, this patient that was healthy and well now is not so healthy and well. We need to investigate, is this related to this new experimental modality that we're putting onto a broad world population? That would be the logical thing to do. That would be the observational and the scientific thing to do. Meanwhile, we had federal agents who shall not be named saying, or we could name them, it doesn't matter, but at the end of the day they said, don't do autopsies. We're not going to look at that. We're not going to fund that. Which doesn't, from a moral, ethical point of view, make any sense. If we're going to roll something out brand new in our population, and then tell people they're safe and effective, there's no problems. You can't make that claim. In fact, I think it violates the uh, False Claims Act in advertising here in the United States in terms of telling people they need to be in an experiment, something safe and effective, but you're not studying whether they are or not. Those of us who have kind of sounded the alarm, we're realizing in many people they're not safe and not effective. was a nice in terms of these patterns sorry a uh, nice introduction to what we have to to look at tonight i like the way that he uh, made the comparisons of uh, soldiers that were asleep um and that um <clears throat> the enemy was allowed to come in and just wreak havoc because these soldiers were asleep because they were turned off hmm, what turned them off uh well the COVID 19 jab turned them off okay what really alarmed me was when he was talking about one of the um one of the cells i think he said uh was a guardian of the uh, your dna i'm like wow shut that off and something could have uh, free reign of all your dna and that's why when they talk about dna um about the uh the shot causing dna uh, changes well there you go the guardian of your DNA is shut off. So it's um, it's going to go ahead and let things run amok, so to speak. You know, um, that man is very good at explaining things. And I really appreciate that he did it that way. And I, I know that a lot of you got a lot out of it, too. So I forgot to change the banner down at the bottom of the fo thing, folks. I apologize for that. Uh, maybe I can, uh, you know what, here. I'm going to go ahead and change it right now, okay, so that uh, we can, we'll lose any um, any doubt as to what this show is about here. Uh, let's see, I got to open that up. Trash that. There, see, it's gone. Uh-huh, Yeah. I'm beginning to think I know what I'm doing. I don't want to get too big headed though, because uh you know something will happen to prove me wrong. Okay. There we go. Assassinating the body's immune system. 
mRNA, the magic bullet. <laughs> yes. There we go. Okay. Um, so now we're going to begin our five part uh, video series. And uh, yeah, we'll begin it. The first one I said is the longest, and he goes in a lot to explain things. But uh, to be honest with you, I've only seen the first one. So uh, number four, uh, number two through five are going to be uh, new to both of us. Okay. But from what I watched on the first one, the guy's pretty, um, pretty right on and, and uh, pretty adept to, uh, to telling us the truth about what's going on. So let's see, make myself, make my head small again. See, part one of five. Okay. Let us, uh, let us go down here. Let us, yes, let us. Uh, I don't think I like that here. There we go. I like that much better. Okay, I guess 12 minutes. Okay, so here we go, folks. This is, uh, by the way, it comes from drtrozy.org. Okay, and it was on the strongandfreecanada.org website that I got this. I want to give credit where the credit's due. And the last video we just watched was uh, actually on Dr. Ryan Cole's website. Okay, so let us proceed. Hi, Dr. Mark Troza here. Iron Will has asked me to address the question of how the COVID vaccines or dangerous injections damage the immune system of people who are injected and opens them up to all kinds of troubles with infections and cancers. And uh, so I'm going to do that. Looking at the subject, it is a bigger subject than one can fit into one 10 minute video. So we have to break this into parts. So this part will be the introduction and a description of things we need to understand about the immune system in order to look at how the injections are causing the harm. My friend, Dr. Sukurati, has said quite accurately with regards to these injections, they have a million pathways to kill. When you look at all the harms of the things we know are in the injections, there are many pathways of harm. And then there are things that they aren't telling us are in the injections. And then there are also more mystery ingredients because there appears to be more genetic material than they're telling us. Having said that, based on what we know is in these injections, we're going to lay the groundwork to understand how these are harming the immune systems of the recipients. To understand that, we need a basic understanding of the immune system. In medical school, studying the immune system is one of the most humbling things we undertake as students because it's very complex and it's always an expanding field. But the interplay of the different elements, different kinds of cells of the immune system is really breathtaking. So with somewhat of a humble attitude, I would like to describe to you some of the fundamental aspects of the immune system. And to do that, I want to describe antibodies and the different cells involved and then I want to get into the two divisions of the immune system, the innate and the adaptive. So we hear a lot about antibodies. These COVID injections, ultimately, after they hijack the cellular machinery with viral modified patented genetic material to produce spike proteins, which are a poison, but those spike proteins also stimulate the immune system to create antibodies that 
interact with spike proteins, which are part of coronaviruses. So within there, you see the idea of how these might be called vaccines if you're really willing to bend the terms. So what are antibodies don't so much kill infection as paint a target on it. So if you've been looking at different pictures as you studied this area, you've probably seen a lot of images of antibodies that look like Ys. These are antibodies of the adaptive immune system. This end is the part that recognizes and attaches to something that shouldn't be there. Imagine a coronavirus. There's many parts to the coronavirus, including those spike proteins that stick out all around. There's other parts, other markers, other proteins on its surface. And a natural healthy immune system will build antibodies to target very various different aspects of the coronavirus, as with other infections. In any event, these antibodies, when this part identifies what it's specifically made for, so for instance, in the case of if it's a spike protein, if it's an antibody that attaches to a spike protein, it's now attached to the coronavirus. It doesn't kill it in and of itself, generally. It can initiate some processes like neutralizing, which is very important. But the other end of this interacts with other elements of the immune system to complete the process of the destruction and the elimination and removal of the invader. So antibodies generally are something that targets. Imagine if there was invaders in your town and somebody went around with red paint and put a little bit of red paint on the back of every one of them. So now everybody else knew who it was and they could go and whack them. So that's what antibodies do. Let's step back and talk about the innate immune system and the adaptive immune system. Let's start with the innate immune system. The innate immune system is the system largely ignored by the industry that sells vaccines and these dangerous injections of calling vaccines. But the innate immune system is very important. As the term implies, innate, it's present from birth, it's there, it's already ready to work. It is within the tissue where the body meets the world. It's in the lining of the nose, it's in the lining of the mouth, it's everywhere. The innate immune system is everywhere and it can act independently wherever it is. It doesn't need to communicate to some central process. It's in the lining of the digestive tract, it's in the lining of the lungs. And it turns out that the innate immune system does the big lion's share of the immune system's work. For instance, with coronavirus infections, most people have no symptoms or a very mild illness. And in these cases, the innate immune system's either done everything or almost everything. So it's very important. Though it's called innate, it does adapt, it does learn. The innate immune system does need to interact with infections to adapt and to learn and to become better for the future. The innate immune system's antibodies look very different. When you see schematics of them, they don't look like a Y, but rather they look like a bunch of Ys in a circle sticking out. That's a schematic, of course. And what that represents is the IgM antibodies of the innate immune system. And they can identify a bunch of different things that shouldn't be there. 
Now, they'll attach to those things to target them for destruction by the other elements of the innate immune system, but they don't attach very strong. They're able to attach to a lot of different things that are non-human, but they don't bind as tightly as an adaptive antibody that's you know more specific to that thing. Having said that, they're able to do their job and bind to infections and things that shouldn't be there and begin the process of destruction by the innate immune system. The innate immune system, not only does it need to be exposed to infections in order to continue adapting and evolving, while the viruses and infections in the world are evolving around us, our immune system similarly needs to evolve and keep up pace. When a person is born and they're a small child, their innate immune system needs to be initialized by exposure to the infections as they exist at that time in history. So it is very important for the innate immune system of children to develop properly that they encounter these infections. It doesn't mean they make them sick, but that they encounter them, that they deal with a mild presence or infection, but without really often a disease. So that's the innate immune system. What about the adaptive immune system? Have you ever had an infection of some sort and later you had a swollen node? People say, oh, I got a swollen lymph node. So that's part of the adaptive immune system. So to demonstrate and describe it, let's take a simple example of a dental infection. Let's say I have a little trouble around a tooth, gets a little infected around the gums. My innate immune system is there. Those antibodies are loosely attaching to and recognizing some of these bacteria growing that aren't human and therefore they shouldn't be growing there. And they initialize the innate immune system to fight the infection. To get into how the adaptive immune system comes in, we need to understand in simple terms something about the anatomy of our entire body. There are really three circulatory elements. Blood is pumped from the heart out to the body through the arteries. It comes back to the heart in the veins, but there are things that don't come back in the veins. There's another one-way flow of stuff, much slower, slowly working its way through what's called the lymphatic system. Along those tiny channels that carry lymph, which if you ever, in surgery, you come across it, you ever nick a lymphatic vessel, you see a white creamy system, it carries thicker things than you carry in the blood. A lot of things that have to do with immunity, by the way. And along that little channel or little vessel of lymph, there's little swellings. There's little special places called lymph nodes. What are lymph nodes? Lymph nodes are places that when debris from an infection are coming along and they get to the lymph node has special called B cells that identify out of the hundreds of thousands of them, identify a few that are of a nature that they'll make an antibody that targets that thing. The thing, there's a battlefield in my tooth, for instance. There's a battle there where my anatomy system's fighting. Some of the debris with some of the surface markings of the infection come flowing in the little lymphatic vessels until it gets to my lymph node. There, the lymph node has a few cells that can make an antibody that would target that. And those cells start growing and dividing, growing and dividing, growing and dividing. That's why the lymph node swells up. 
and swollen and tender. It's doing its job. It's actually kicking into production to make adaptive system antibodies. So those more Y-shaped things we talk about that can grab really tightly to specific things. In the case of my dental infection, the lymph flow presented some of those surface markings of the infective organism. My lymph node cells divided and reproduced and produced an antibody that targets that. The lymph continues its slow journey, all the lymph vessels gathering together and eventually ends up in going into my central circulation, rejoining the blood and is then pumped out to the whole body. So what happens when my dental infections? Like everywhere in the body, these antibodies arrive in the circulation. And these antibodies can bind tightly the marking or the surface, the identified surface element of the infection and target it for destruction by other elements, both complex molecules and special cells to destroy and eliminate the infection. So that's the adaptive system. So this basic understanding of the immune system, of antibodies, of the two divisions of the immune system, both the innate and the adaptive, and as well as understanding the, one of the differences, which is how loosely binding are the IgM antibodies of the innate system, but they do the job, and how tightly binding the adaptive immune system's antibodies are. And you'll see how that's gonna become an important point when we talk about the disruption of the innate immune system as one of the results of these injections. So that covers the introduction, and we'll continue this through several videos so that you have a good handle on how these injections being called COVID-19 vaccines are damaging the victim's immune systems and leaving them open to all kinds of infections and cancers. Thanks very much. Hey folks, was that awesome or what? Now you know what the um, your, your system does in order to get rid of all these things, these viruses and these bacteria that enter into your body. You know, um, the prophet David once said in the Psalms, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And if these videos prove nothing else, it proves that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So awesome. So very awesome. Okay. So, folks, I am going to go ahead and get rid of that one. Okay, here I am again. Hi, it's me. Um, now we're going to go to part two. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting an education. I'm getting to the point where if somebody says something to me, I can answer them back and say, yeah, in your face, it's because of this, you know? And a lot of people need an in your face these days. Okay, so let's go ahead and uh, go to part two of this uh, series, part two out of five. And I think these are a lot smaller than the last ones. Okay, folks. So um, I know you probably don't mind the um, the length, but uh, and I'm glad there's, there's there's a lot of talking in this because those that are listening uh, via audio in their cars or wherever, um, you can kind of get a grasp on what's going on too, even if you can't see the visuals. So part two of five, here we go. Oh, 
Hi, Dr. Mark Rosa here. So this is going to be part two in our uh, short video series describing how the COVID-19 injections, some called vaccines, are damaging the immune system. So in order to uh, move forward, I think it's a great idea to have watched the introductory video, which described uh, the basics of innate and adaptive immune systems. So as we described in that video, the innate immune system is very important. And though it's often ignored by the pharmaceutical industry, is actually what does most of the work. It's the one that does most of the heavy lifting. And for instance, with coronavirus infections, most people have uh, mild uh, disease or even are asymptomatic, especially in children. In reality, their innate immune system has just done such a great job that they didn't even notice that they were dealing with infection. The importance of the innate immune system cannot be understated. So in this short video, I'm going to describe how these injections uh, disrupt the innate immune system. And please keep in mind, this is there's more to come. This is just one of the ways these injections damage the immune system. And damage the immune system is just one of the categories of ways that these injections cause death and disease. You will recall that the innate immune system's antibodies are such that they can identify lots of non-human cells, even in a newborn child. So though they can identify many things that shouldn't be there and that need to be targeted by the innate immune system for destruction and elimination. They attach to them loosely when compared to antibodies created by the adaptive immune system. So here's one of the problems with these injections. When people are injected with these injections, which include genetic material, which is basically given access to pretty much all the cells in the body, such that all the cells in the body produce the toxic spike protein, which is part of the coronavirus. And that means that now throughout the body, toxic spike proteins are being created with many toxic effects. But it is true that this will cause the adaptive immune system to create some antibodies against that specific version of the spike protein as patented and produced by these people's cells. What does that mean for someone who has had these injections and encounters a coronavirus infection? These artificially produced antibodies will bind, as adaptive antibodies do, will bind quite strongly to the infection. They will bind quite strongly to the spike protein. This will displace the loose binding innate immune system antibodies. So what that means is because these adaptive antibodies grab on to the infection stronger than the innate immune system's antibodies can, the innate immune system antibodies are not able to grab on, which means they're not able to target the infection for the actions of the innate immune system to eliminate and destroy it. So in reality, the presence of these tight binding, artificially induced antibodies bypasses the innate immune system. 
Now you'll see there's a whole bunch of other reasons why these artificially produced antibodies don't work. We'll get into that in another series. But this is one of the effects, is you eliminate the innate immune system's ability to engage and destroy the infection. And that also means that the innate immune system doesn't get to work out, as you might say. It doesn't get to meet the current version, because viruses are evolving, infections are evolving. It doesn't get to meet the current version of it and adapt to do a better job of it, right? So the innate immune system is eliminated from working right now, and it's denied the opportunity to evolve and keep up with the evolution of the infections. This is bad for everyone. This is especially bad for children. When you consider that children have a zero statistical risk of serious infection disease from these launched coronaviruses. However, their innate immune system especially needs exposure. As I was saying, the infections, including viruses around us, including coronaviruses and other viruses, they're evolving. And when you get this year's cold, though your innate immune system may be fairly adept already at last year's cold, this one's going to be a little different. And it's going to require your innate immune system to change and adapt a bit and keep pace, keep up with it. Not if it's excluded from the interaction by the presence of these tight binding artificial antibodies. The reason this is so bad for children is when we're born and when we're young children, our system initializes our innate immune system based on the infective organisms, including the viruses, including coronaviruses, as they exist at the time that we are small children. So there's this very important process where a child comes into the world and their innate immune system has to develop to be at the level that the evolution of the virus is. So it gets a good starting place. And then through the rest of our life, as the viruses evolve, we can keep evolving our innate immune system to keep up. But this initial initialization is so important. There's a lot of reasons not to inject this stuff into children. But when a child is injected with this genetic material, and when the cells throughout their body are hijacked to make the most poisonous spike protein, and that poisonous spike protein triggers these the adaptive antibodies that bind tightly. Now, when this child comes across a coronavirus, it would really cause it no harm. But their innate immune system cannot engage and cannot initialize. So now that coronavirus infection could be dangerous right now, but you're also preventing this child's innate immune system from getting off to a good start in life, from existing where it needs to exist in history, which is as the viruses are when we're a child, and then from there to keep up. There's a term for this called original antigenic serum. I think that completes this video where we've looked at how these injections, COVID not vaccines, uh, damage the immune system. And in this, we've specifically looked at how they eliminate the ability for the innate immune system to do its job, how they've eliminated the innate immune system's ability to adapt and keep up, and how especially in children, they prevent proper original initialization of their immune system to be where they're supposed to be in history and dealing with the viruses as they exist when they come into the world. There's lots more to talk about with regards to how these injections damage the human immune system. Wow, folks. Wow. You notice how we said when these viruses are launched? <laughs> hey, 
if something is launched, it has to have somebody to launch it, and it has to have a launch, um, a launch pad. <laughs> Looking at uh, Elon Musk and how he launches things into space, you know. Um, so, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, what it does is when a child is brought into the world, it's innate. Uh, innate comes from Natale, which comes from birth uh, in Italian and in Latin. Um, it's innate system. The child's innate system is is there, but it has to be strengthened through um, through infections. But this thing shuts off the innate system, the the the, the COVID uh, jab shuts off the innate system so that the active and the active system kicks in and it really can't do what it's supposed to do. And because it shut off the innate system in kids, it, uh, it won't recognize when the next virus comes out. That's a coronavirus. Very interesting. This guy has really given me an education. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad too, because now I can, um, I can, you know, I can prove to people, uh, you know, uh, using this information, what's right and what's wrong. I, I, they're not going to believe me anyway, of course, you know. But um, at least I can possibly educate them. And, and if they listen, that's great. But, yeah, he's right. It's a shame pumping this stuff into a kid's body. It really is. And you see these videos of these mothers. They want to be good mothers. And, oh, yeah, we're going to get our child vaccinated. It's the right thing to do. It's a death sentence. It really is. And not to mention that, but what they say that this stuff causes uh, sterility. So... If you're pumping it into a child's body, it's going to make them sterile. Uh, hopefully, hopefully puberty will overcome that. I don't know if that'll happen, but because they're not, um, they're technically not uh, able to reproduce before a certain age anyway. But um, hopefully, it'll um, it'll be inert by the time that the child gets to be uh, hit puberty, and then uh, it can be overcome. But Boy, if you kill off the population and then sterilize the remaining population, boy, you've, you've killed killed off a society, basically. Um, okay. I was just looking at where we are here. This guy is awesome, isn't he, folks? I really am getting into what he's, uh, what he's presenting to us. And, uh, and I'm happy that Yahweh showed me this. Um, this guy and everything he has to, to show to us. Let's go to the next one. Okay. That says three of five. Good. Let me go over there. And let me see here. <laughs> okay. Now I can do this. Four minutes and 40 seconds. Folks, I'm going to go use the facilities. I'll be right back. Continuing on our series of how 
the COVID-19 not a vaccine damaging the immune system. At this point, I want to talk about the phenomenon called antibody-dependent enhancement. Antibody-dependent enhancement, you may be familiar with this already. This is what accounted for the research on coronavirus vaccines and why this technology was abandoned approximately a decade ago or more. Because when these injections were given to a variety of different laboratory animals, and when those laboratory animals with blood tests could demonstrate that they were making antibodies to the spike protein, then the next level of testing was to expose the animals to the infection. In other words, found, for instance, some of the studies were with ferrets, would then take a ferret that has the coronavirus infection, put it with the other ones so they all get exposed and see what happens. Unfortunately, what happened is there was massive mortality rates depending on the animal study, like between 20 and 100% of the animals died from a cold. Think about that. So they got these, quote, vaccines. The vaccines caused them to make some antibodies. You could do a blood test and said, yep, it's working. They got antibodies. But then why would they die from a cold? Why would a disease that only had 0.3% mortality or some small rate of death suddenly have a higher rate of death? And in these animals, in some cases, 100%. This is antibody-dependent enhancement, and it means exactly what it says. The antibody enhances the virus's ability to infect and harm the person. In other words, the virus is dependent upon the antibody to enhance so let's talk about how this works. Antibodies generated by the adaptive immune system in response to the spike protein that people are producing once their cells are hijacked with this foreign genetic material. These antibodies are a type of antibody that the way they perform within the immune system, they have part of their function is to neutralize the virus. So they're called neutralizing antibodies. So in other words, they are not just supposed to attach to the infection. They're supposed to attach to it and actually neutralize it. And then the next step is other parts of the immune system, including cells that swallow up the infection. They recognize the other end of the target, the antibody that's been painted on this virus. They recognize it, engage with it, and the cell swallows in the virus or a bunch of the virus inside a little bubble of its own membrane. And from there, it's supposed to dispose of it. But keep in mind, it's supposed to be neutralized before it gets into the cell. The antibodies generated in response to these injections fail to neutralize the infection. So what does that mean? How would this enhance the virus ability to infect the person. Now, those immune cells that are supposed to swallow in the neutralized virus to digest and eliminate it, they're swallowing an unneutralized virus. Guess what? It infects them. So now, cells in the immune system that are supposed to be involved in getting rid of the virus actually become a place where the virus reproduces and thrives and infects those cells. So the antibody enhances the virus because it allows the virus to get into the cells that are supposed to destroy it, but instead infect it and create a larger reproduction of virus in the body. This is antibody-dependent enhancement. This is the reason why coronavirus vaccine research was abandoned in about 2006. Because in all animal studies, these antibodies enhance the disease 
and resulted in dramatically increased death from a coronavirus infection. So that's antibody-dependent enhancement, and that's one more of the ways these injections, misnamed COVID vaccines, damaged the immune system and caused death and disease. Thanks very much. There's more to come. Wow. Wow. So it goes in and it kills the soldiers that are supposed to fight it. It's like it goes in and destroys the Delta Force and the SEAL team that would normally go in to destroy it first. Wow, that's amazing. Amazing and uh, a little bit freakish. Wow. (laughs) I don't know, folks. I just don't know. Whoa. I think my uh, camera got my optic. <laughs> well, you don't need to see me anyway. You need to see the videos. So, all right. So, we're going to go into five of six now and, uh, and see even further how insidious these, uh, this, uh, kill shot, this injection really is. And, uh, Hopefully, if you've taken one or two of them, you won't get any more, okay? Do not do the booster. Please do not do the booster. So, okay. So, let's go ahead and show this one. Let's see. It's that one up there. Four or five. Ten minutes long. All right. How COVID vaccines cripple the immune system. Hi, Dr. Troza here. This is our part four, our next part of our short video series on how the COVID injections, it's labeled as vaccines, damage the human immune system, causing disease, cancer, and death. And in this section, I'd like to talk about antibody-mediated selection. Antibody-mediated selection is the process by which these injections drive the evolution of the coronavirus to particularly circumvent the antibodies from the injections. Let's look at how this works. Many golden rules of hygiene and medicine have been thrown out the window during the COVID campaign against mankind. One of those is a golden rule of vaccinology. You never vaccinate your way out of a pandemic. Now I know We've discussed quite a bit about how mathematically the COVID phenomenon does not qualify as a pandemic. So we could look at this as another approach, which is you never vaccinate your way out of an active infection, which is currently spread through society. And here's why. When you make a vaccine, now I know these aren't vaccines, and I can't every time I talk about it go through the whole loop, but they do end up producing antibodies to the spike protein. And yes, it's it's bizarre they didn't do it by hijacking your own cellular machinery to produce the spike protein that later stimulates the response. But let's just talk about the antibodies that are produced. They are produced to match the spike protein as it was when the injections were made, which is not how it is now. You recall when we talked about the innate immune system, we talked about how viruses are evolving and our immune systems are evolving to keep up. Evolution is dependent upon the process of natural selection. With any living organism, if you naturally eliminate some and leave some, 
And if you do it based on any selective process, the type of thing that you leave alive will reproduce and produce more. And this is how evolution is stimulated. Let's look at a very simple example of evolution working well. This is not a creation versus evolution. Even with creation, there's still evolution. Let's think about giraffe's necks. If giraffes need a long neck so they can reach up and get leaves to eat, and if a giraffe has five children, and let's say one or two of those children has particularly longer necks, a little bit longer than the other ones, it means that those two children are going to be more successful at eating therefore probably more successful at reproducing, which means they're going to pass on that trait of having a little longer neck. If you apply the same process to their children, whereby the children with a longer neck are able to get the leaves and eat and survive and reproduce to have children who, like them, have a longer neck, you can see how over generations the necks of giraffes could get longer and longer. And it's probably how they got so long. The same applies with microbiology, bacteria, the same applies with viruses. One of the differences is that in microbiology, viruses and bacteria replicate much faster, so cycles of evolution happen much quicker. When a generation is a day, as opposed to 30 years, things happen quicker. Similar to the giraffes, the coronavirus is being stimulated to evolve by the antibodies that are produced in response to the injections. Remember, the injections hijack the cell's body with genetic material, patented coronavirus genes, causing cells to produce a spike protein based on the design that's in there. And that design, in many ways, resembles the coronavirus spike protein as it was when the virus was launched. These antibodies target, I mean, there's, as we've talked about, there's a lot of things they, they don't do well, but they do target the spike protein of the coronavirus. Nothing else. The natural immune system will target many things. These only target the spike protein, and they target it as it existed last year or a year and a half ago. What does that mean? It means that subtle variations in the spike protein, in other words, evolution of the spike protein of the coronavirus, will cause them to escape detection and targeting by these antibodies. What that means is that inside the person's body that has the infection, in the presence of these artificial antibodies, it will specifically target the spike proteins that are as they were a year ago. And you will miss the ones who have changed the most from then. So the coronavirus whose spike proteins has changed the most will escape this antibody. What that means is that the presence of these antibodies, just as the presence of high leaves drove the evolution of the giraffe's necks in our story, these antibodies drive the evolution of the coronavirus' spike protein. What evidence do we have of this other than the fact that it's obvious and that there's a gold rule for a reason? But when you look at the Omicron variant, for instance, what's different about the Omicron variant is its spike protein. And the spike protein is changing as a response of the natural selection, evolutionary, created for the coronavirus by the presence of the injection and the antibodies triggered. Natural immunity works against many elements of the coronavirus. So it's really, at this point, it's not a problem for people with natural immunity who have not been coerced, lied to, and injected with this stuff. But the people who have been injected, and we know they have at 
at least as high, sometimes higher loads of virus in their body. Remember, these injections do not stop infection, they do not stop transmission, and as time goes on, they have worse disease and higher death rates, even after a little brief respite. It is within the people who've been injected that the coronavirus is evolving its spike protein to circumvent the antibody. And that means that it's the same people who are used as the petri dishes to develop these evolving coronaviruses. They're also the people who are most vulnerable because the only antibodies they have, while their whole immune system is suppressed and their native immune system is suppressed, is these antibodies that don't work and in specific don't fit the evolving coronavirus. So this is antibody-mediated selection, and this is another way that these injections are causing a problem with the relationship of the human immune system and the coronavirus. This could get a lot worse if we do not successfully stop these injections. Right now, the variants that are evolving are particularly dangerous to the people who've been injected because of circumventing their artificial antibodies. As you probably know from previous material, the spike protein of the coronavirus attaches to what are called ACE2 receptors. So both the way the spike protein that's produced in the injection victim's bodies poison their body is by attaching to ACE2 receptors throughout the body, blood vessels, pancreas, liver, heart, etc. And they're causing disease. But the coronavirus itself uses those spike proteins to attach to ACE2 receptors to initiate infection. Here's how this could get a lot worse to where not only would it be creating this vulnerability to the forced and coerced injection victims, but also to others. Because what is being stimulated to evolve is the spike protein. The spike protein predominantly infects human cells by adhering to the ACE2 receptors. But if we continue these injections and boosters and we continue to defy the golden rule of you don't vaccinate your way out of an active infection, we could drive the spike protein's evolution into unknown, unchartered territory, whereby the spike protein, and therefore the coronavirus, could start to predominantly use other cell receptors, not just the ACE2 receptors. And if this happens, if we stimulate the evolution of the virus through these injections, such that it becomes somewhat unrecognizable in that the coronavirus now uses a variety of cell receptors to infect cells. This could have unknown consequences for everyone. And it's one more reason we should stop these injections. That completes this section on how the injections are damaging the immune system and causing increased infection. Thank you. Wowie, wow, wow, folks. <clears throat> this thing is... I used the word insidious before, and I can't think of a word to describe it even worse. Abominable, maybe, is a, is a good way of putting it. Wow, it's it's a weapon. It is a weapon, folks. From what he's described, it's 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 a weapon with two fail safes. You know, it's uh, you know, it, uh, I'm trying to think of something in a military sort of way to 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 describe it, but. Um, it's almost like uh, it's got a defense in it 
to where if you destroy something, it makes the, the next, it's got two or three things to it that the next one becomes, the first one becomes inert. The second one becomes even more powerful. You know, it's, it's, uh, you've seen on TV how people, well, you know, some programs have, uh, if you watch a lot of police programs and stuff, they, the person, uh, the, the criminal develops uh, a, uh, a bomb, you know, and that if you cut the wrong, the wrong cable, it's going to go off, you know, but sometimes they put two or three other cables on there to where you'd have to cut two at a time and that's impossible. You know, it's just, it's, it's really criminal. That's a good word. How this thing was put together. And like you said, uh, gain of function in the United States was stopped back in what, 2006, did he say? So Fauci's like, okay, well, we'll just send it to China and let them do it. It's my goodness. There's, uh, I don't want to say that I've gotten banned off of different things for saying stuff like that. So like I was going to say, so I'll just keep my mouth shut, but um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's <laughs> there ain't words to describe how criminal this is. There, there really aren't, aren't any words to describe it. And my goodness. Um, okay. So, all right, we got one more to watch. Then maybe a little bit of a discussion afterwards. How the COVID vaccines cripple the human or uh, cripple the immune system, part five of five, vaccine induced AIDS. Uh, you probably have heard about this too, so have I. Uh, AIDS is acquired immune deficiency. And uh, basically it means that your your immune system has been killed. <laughs> And if, if you know anybody with AIDS or seen any documentaries, you can see how um, well, people with AIDS, they, man, they have to be careful who they get around because if they get around somebody that's got a, a bad fungal infection, a bad virus or something, they'll pick it up right away and it could kill them. So uh, anyway, let's go ahead and go into this and, and watch the last one. This, this doctor, man, I'm going to write to him because he's awesome. He, um, the way he's describing things is just a layman can understand this, you know, uh, let alone a, a lowly nurse like myself. So, okay, so let's go ahead and watch this last one. Uh, Dr. Trozzi, thank you so much, and we'll watch your last one, and then we'll uh, we'll move on. Okay, so here we go. Hi, Dr. Mark Trozzi here again, and this is our fifth and uh, final video in this short series on how the COVID-19 vaccines damage the human immune system, causing increased disease and death. And in this, I want to address um, sort of three issues. One is people ask a lot of questions when they're hearing about AIDS in any way related to this vaccine or these injections. And then um, also uh, a little bit about the increased cancer rates following these injections and that, uh, how that relates to the situation of damage to the immune system. So first on the subject of AIDS. So the term 
AIDS, A-I-D-S, is an acronym that stands for Acquired Immunity Deficiency Syndrome. So there could be a variety of causes of an acquired immunity deficiency syndrome. Anything that wasn't present at birth that happens to a person, it becomes an acquired thing. If it makes their immune system deficient, therefore causes a variety of diseases and symptoms, that's an AIDS. The AIDS that we are used to talking about is HIV AIDS. HIV standing for immune immunodeficiency virus. So in other words, an acquired deficiency of the immune system caused by this virus, by the HIV virus. And that is not what we're dealing with here. However, you may have heard that some people following the injection with the COVID-19 not a vaccine injections that they have had blood tests come back as positive for HIV AIDS. So they've had an HIV test which is positive after they've had these COVID vaccines. And this isn't really a surprise. And this specifically occurs with with the AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson COVID injections or vaccines. Because these two brands, these are in the category that use modified monkey adenovirus to get this genetic material into our cells. That's the Trojan horse getting it in. Whereas with Pfizer and Moderna, they're using these pegylated lipid nanoparticles to get it in. So in the case of the ones using the modified monkey adenovirus to get genetic material into the injection victim cells, it turns out that this, and this was known in the past with other research and other things that have been done using these modified monkey adenoviruses, that that can trigger the production of an antibody that will also show up on the blood test for HIV. I do not think it means that these people now have the immune, the uh, human immune deficiency virus, HIV virus in them, but they end up with a positive test. And this is a, resp- a result of AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson's use of that modified monkey virus to as a Trojan horse to get the genetic material to itself. So that's one issue of AIDS relating. And that answers some of people's questions. However, you will hear another term, which is VIAs, which is standing for vaccine induced acquired immunity deficiency syndrome. So in other words, here's an immune deficiency syndrome that's acquired, not caused by the HIV virus, but caused from these injections. And as you can already see from the preceding videos, that there is quite a variety of ways in which these injections depress the immune system and cause an acquired immune deficiency syndrome. And we have not touched on all of them. So in particular, I'd like to talk about one more. As we mentioned earlier, the immune system is extremely complex. It has many different cells and many different enzymes involved. There is a specific kind of what's called a T-cell or a T-killer cell called a CD8 positive. And the CD8 positive T-cells are very important in fighting cancer. So whether that's fighting cancer before people even know they had it, whether that's fighting off cancer and people getting better, whether that's slowing the rate of a progression of cancer, or whether in addition to other therapies they're getting, that is how their immune system helps and can put them into remission. 
We now know from blood tests on people who've been injected with the COVID vaccine that all of them tested have a reduction in their CD8 positive T cells. That means that everyone following these injections is more vulnerable to cancer. I mean, for a variety of reasons, but this is one of the landmark reasons, is this reduction in CD8 positive T cell. What are we seeing as a result? We're seeing people developing new cancers. We're seeing recurrence of cancers that were in remission. We're seeing some very unusual cancers. And we're seeing acceleration of cancers. And by that, I mean people who maybe they've been on treatment for cancer. Maybe the degrees of the disease has been slowly getting worse, but they were looking at still years of life. And suddenly that cancer accelerates. And this is no surprise. So that's a little bit on this final part of our series about how these injections are damaging the immune system in terms of how the adenovirus shell and some of the injections can create a positive HIV test in terms of there's a plethora of ways, many of which we've already talked about, that these vaccines induce an acquired immunity deficiency syndrome. And very specifically, having a look at one of the big cell markers for how they reduce immunity to cancer and why we're seeing so many people. Maybe they beat cancer years ago, but after these injections, are having their cancers recur and often develop very quickly, as well as other new cancers, as well as weird cancers and accelerations of cancers. So I hope this has all been useful and answered your questions regarding uh, how the uh, COVID vaccines are damaging human immune systems and causing increased disease and death. Thank you very much for your time. Strong and Free Canada and Mike and Dr. Mike Trozzi. Okay. Good deal. Well, folks, what do you think, huh? Pretty interesting stuff, huh? Yeah, it is. Uh, remember he talked about a lot of uh, the orthodox things that are uh, have been associated with uh, vaccinations being ignored, one of them I picked up right off the bat, uh, not because I witnessed anybody getting uh, the COVID-19 shot. I retired long before that happened. But um, being a nurse uh, in nursing school, one of the things they teach us and they drill it into our heads. OK, it's drilled in there, you know, and uh, is that when you give a muscular injection like that, that you stick the needle in and you draw back on the needle a little bit because there's a lot of arteries and veins in your arms and in your muscles and everything else. And you don't want to hit one of those and inject medicine right into a vein. You want to inject it into the muscle so that it has time to disperse nice and slow. Okay. And when you inject into a vein, it, it could have unpredictable results. So that's why they drilled it into our head in nursing school, nice and slow, and draw back on that needle to see if it get, you get any blood. If you get any blood, you throw the needle out and you start all over again, which is could be kind of expensive when you're talking about a drug that may be uh, $10,000 a pop. Some drugs are that, you know, the some of the drugs that are given for um, some of the autoimmune diseases. Um but it's it's a lot safer. And believe me, a lawsuit for malpractice is a lot more, uh, more a lot more expensive. And plus, you don't have that 
thing on your conscience that says you killed somebody <laughs> because you injected into a vein. Um, especially with some of the psychiatric meds that are injected because they're in oils or in their solutions because they're long acting and you don't want that getting into the blood. My goodness. Um, but anyway, I've noticed a lot of people when you watch them on, on the news, given a shot or you watch them on online somewhere, given a, a COVID shot, they stick it in and bam, they just pump it right into the muscle. That is not the way to do it. <laughs> I don't want you to go get the shot, but if you're going to go get it, um, when they put that thing in your arm, ask them the, it's called aspirate. It's called aspirating the needle. Okay. You just pull back. They pull back a little bit. No blood. Fine. Shoot it in there. You know, blood, give you another, another pop because um, what they're finding out or what I've read is that when it goes directly into the bloodstream like that, it's, it's a, it can be more of a, well, more of a, but uh, a quicker death sentence than uh, if it's put into the, uh, into the, um, the muscle of the arm or the tush or whatever, you know? Um, so I don't advocate you getting that shot. I would warn you against it. I would, if I was there, I would be crying to you until the needle was injected or the, the solution was injected into your arm that you shouldn't do it. Um, but uh, I can't make those decisions for people, and I, but I strongly advise against it. In my opinion, it's it's a death shot. Um. So, uh, anyway, it's it's insidious what they're doing, and I use that word again because if they don't get you right away, if it doesn't kill you right away, it's going to kill you down the road. Unless, unless, you know, there's a miracle and Yahweh intervenes and stuff like that. I'm not saying that it's totally impossible. Um, but, and if it doesn't get you, when they stick it into your kid, it's possible that you may never have grandkids. Okay. Think about that. Well, your grandparents or your prospective grandparents, they stick it into your grandkids. You may not have kid. Uh, they stick it into your yeah, your grandkids, you may not have great grandkids, okay? Or parents, you may not have grandkids. Um, because the thing messes up, it makes people sterile, okay? Um, it also is passed through breast milk. And it, um, and they've noticed that uh, ladies uh, menstruating have been going into more, more blood flow during that time or less, or it's skipping a month, or whatever. And so that's not good, of course. And then there's been a lot of spontaneous abortions because of this, uh, stillbirths, um, children dying in the womb. It, you know, it's just, there's tons and tons and tons of things that are going on with this, and your best just to avoid it and stay away from it. If you haven't, and you know Yahweh, pray that he forgives you. <laughs> And he can, he can work miracles, changing things. And if you don't know Yahweh and you've taken the shot, even if you haven't taken it, it, you know, come to know him because that's very important because in this day and age, we're being forced to choose good or evil. Okay. And 
Yeshua said many times, and it says in scripture many times that you can't serve two masters. You'll either love one or loathe the other and or cleave to one and despise the other. Okay. You can't step in this world and step in the kingdom of God at the same time or walk in the kingdom of God, excuse me, at the same time. So you're going to have to choose between good or evil. Uh, farther on down the road, it's going to come to a mark on your right hand or your forehead. You're going to have to choose that. Please don't choose it. You'll be far better off. Okay. But you need to know Yeshua as your, your Lord and Savior. And um, everybody needs to. Shot or no shot. Okay. So if you want to know more about how to do that, uh, get a hold of me and Brian. You can write to uh, our email addresses on um, the Delusion Resistance website um, in the contact us section. Everything falls under the delusion resistance with this ministry as far as it's concerned or this radio show, I should say. Um, so anyway, I'm going to go ahead and close out. But I, I know that I've learned a lot tonight. And I think you've learned a lot tonight. If you didn't know, if, if you learned one thing and you knew everything else, <laughs> you got an education tonight. Okay. I got quite an education tonight. And I feel confident now that if I'm talking to somebody and they challenge me, I can answer them back. And that's what's important. Have a reason for every man, for your faith, but also for what you believe in, why you're, why you're a shot denier, why you're, um, why you're an anti-vaxxer, if that's what you are. Have a reason for it, okay? Uh, otherwise, you're, you're, <laughs> you're preaching to people that aren't going to listen to you because you don't know why you believe what you believe. Anyway, um, folks, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to rise upon you and be gracious unto you. May he watch your going out, your coming in, your rising up, your lying down. May he give you the peace that passes all understanding. Yeshua's, one of Yeshua's names is Shar Shalom. Sar Shalom, excuse me the Prince of Peace, okay? And if you want peace, the only way you're going to get is through Yeshua, okay? And not just peace in this world, but peace in the world to come. So glorify his name, come to faith in him now while you still can. And um, well, we'll see you, I'll see you next Monday for sure. And then hopefully next Thursday, Brian, so with me. So, okay, folks, God bless and uh, see you next time. Good night.